This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Today we're going to be talking about a message. I did label it Transform Life 2. And I want to share today about how many times um, I've just seen so many Christians and so many lives just not take on the power and the anointing that God wanted them to have in the body of Christ. We're going to talk about that holistically. I know that some people are um, really struggling with what happened um, this week at the Capitol. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to belabor that point at all. But I just want to share with you that you know everything that's going on is already happened in history. The Bible says that you know there's nothing new underneath the sun. There's just different people and faces and different expressions. And the reason is, is because there is spiritual beings in high places, good and bad, that are trying to work out God's righteousness and in the enemies trying to work out His schematic in life. And uh, I know that in my personal life, I've never seen more things in six months' time, more prayers answered in six months' time than I've ever had in my entire walk with Jesus. And I can just tell you, the, the, uh, it's just the Lord's strategy in it. And what I mean by that is every day, I pray over the garden God's given me. And that garden is my family, my marriage, my grandkids. It is the kids I have. It's the businesses that I own. It's being a pastor of this church. It's the neighborhood in which I live. The scope that God has given me is the garden God has me in charge of. And so um, I have been taking diligence to say, come against the schemes of the devil. I go every single day, and I'm not talking about every other day. Every single day, I come against the strategies of the enemy in my life and over that garden, over every one of those places specifically. And because of that, the enemy is losing ground in my garden. I believe that Adam should have kicked Satan out of his garden. I believe that many Christians today are allowing the enemy to have space in their garden. And what I'm talking about is the spiritual garden of your life. That's not going to be the message today, but it's an aspect of your walk. And so that what I'm sharing with you is that I pray, as God has been changing my life and my prayer life, I pray that you adopt it. In fact, if you want to, email me or whatever and ask me more questions. But I have so much scripture to prove what I'm doing is accurate. So much scripture to prove it is accurate. And that I believe this is the spiritual warfare that God has intended us to do. And that if we don't take care of the host, the garden God has given to us, why in the world would God say, look, I want you to take care of rulers outside your garden? That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to literally destroy the enemy's work outside of your garden. Many of us are just busybodies talking about other people's gardens, but not praying and speaking life in other people's gardens. And so that's what's happening here. And that's what we've seen. A lot of times we feel, see people that are frustrated. Internally, they, they feel a sensation of God 
and then they physically try to manifest it outside. Instead of spiritually, Paul says, I travail till Christ be formed in me. Which means he's praying the formation of God in his own life and in others' lives. And what many of us want to do is fix outside. And we're going to be talking about three battles today. We're going to be talking about, uh, many of you already know who Samuel is, but we're going to talk about who Samuel is in the expression of many people want to live presently. Oh God, fix my present world but not live in the presence of God. God's not after the present of your world, fixing your present life. He's after you to be in the presence of God. And we're going to talk about how Samuel lived in that presence, even in hard times. And a lot of you guys are going, well, when are we going to get to that puzzle piece? Well, let's talk about that right now. How many of you guys lift up your little puzzle piece? Okay. The Lord gave me this um, example because so many of us lose focus and we get so about you know, I just want to know who I am. I want to know what my calling is. And I want to know what my, you know, who I'm supposed to be in life. And what you don't really realize is that God has a puzzle piece that's not just framed in the life here. It's framed in eternity. Now, I don't, we have a thousand piece, but um, can you imagine, you know, a, possibly a billion people that are going to be in heaven together? And that's not even including probably a billion so angels, I know that those are numbers I can't get my mind wrapped around, but imagine every one of them have a puzzle piece. And that every, then when we all work together and we all really do what God's called us to do, that that puzzle piece takes on the shape that God intended it to do. But what if that puzzle piece goes over there and says, well, I just don't feel like I'm called. I don't feel like I have any, any you know, really importance in life. And I just... Well, let me tell you something. What happens to any puzzle that's not all put together? Now, I know if you, I, I, I'm not really good at putting puzzles together. I'm not, one of my strongest suits is impatience, okay? And so I like to put things together. So if I have a puzzle, I like it to be like maybe with my grandkids that are like three years old that only have about 15 pieces and I can figure it out really quick. In fact, it just about has everything is a corner piece, you know, I mean, that's the kind of puzzle I like to put together, but that's not the kind of puzzle God puts together. And somewhere you and somewhere I fit in that little piece and that every one of us are to do what God has called that piece to do. And that's living that transformed life. And that's not framed in just this life, but that's framed in eternity. Think about that. That's framed in eternity. And so if I were to ask all of you guys to come up and grab your piece and try to come together and try to put your pieces together without a picture, that would be an endless experience. Jesus holds the picture. He holds that picture. And so the Bible says, let us draw nigh unto him and he will draw nigh unto us. And that he's the author and the finisher of your faith. And he's the one that puts, he's the one that made you that puzzle piece. And by the way, every one of those pieces are so important. Not one more important than the other. And so what's so important for us to realize and keep your eye and recognize that today, transform life. I need to be a part of God's puzzle. And you know what's amazing is, is that you're never going to be satisfied until every piece is put together. 
God will never be content, never will stop until every piece of that puzzle, his plan for heaven is already complete. So the family in heaven and on earth are united and all those pieces are put together. And by the way, it looks like it's getting close. And then when all those pieces are put together, we'll all come up to that marriage supper land. We'll all recognize, not compete with one another, but compliment one another. I just can't imagine what a joy it's gonna be when every single thought is expressed with encouragement, not comparison. When it seems like today every thought, even if it's in our crazy government at times, is comparison instead of encouragement. Anyway, that's uh, what you are. This is not really just all the message. I pray this is your message the rest of your life. You start being thankful for the peace that you are. Start being thankful for the piece of the puzzle that you are instead of being frustrated because let me tell you something, you know, there isn't gonna be where you're going over, can I trade? As I thought about that at times in my life, I wanted to trade my piece of the puzzle. I wanted to go, go God, I would really like to be that person. And there's no trades because everyone is unique and specific and part, not just of this temporary, but eternal plan that God has amen all right what i want you guys to do is if you could and we talked about the transformed life part two if you would psalms 19 verse 7 this is kind of an importance of god's truth i was sharing with our elders this morning and and, uh this came from a time where i had some devotional time with my uh my sons and then i also with one other adoptive son i'm going to call him today but one of the things we uh, talked about, I go, it's so important that I want people to feel God's presence when we pray. I, I just want them to feel his presence. And not every time do you do that. For, for instance, when I give thanks to God for my food, my belly's thinking about chow. And my heart is going, amen, sooner. Okay? So I can feel my belly. All right, God, Jesus, when he prayed about his food, he didn't go on and belabor and get in. He looked for being in God's presence when he prayed. He says, thanks. That was literally his prayer. Thanks. Praying before your food, praying for your children before their bedtime, what you're doing is you're praying an acknowledgement of who God is. But it's not the presence of God. You need both kinds of prayer in your life. You need the acknowledgement prayer and you need the presence of God in your life. Let me say, the acknowledgement is this. I go, I, got, I know God that food comes from you. I know that my job came from you. I know that my marriage came from you. I know that my grandkids, I know all of that. I know that I'm a pa- I don't deserve to be a pastor, but God, that came from you, that calling. I thank you for that. But I am so grateful for those spaces of time where I would take and get quality time with God through worship, quality time in his word, quality time where God begins to develop his presence in my life. I need, you need both. And maybe some of you have never ever had, and I I dare to say a lot, I've met a lot of Christians that have never been in the presence of God. So what I do, and it's really my endeavor anybody that i get alone with that we spend time praying and i pray that i could help them get in the presence of god 
because there's nothing. That's what David was so about. When you read the book of Psalms, there's this guy that his outer world was going, yay, nay, yay, nay. I mean, it was just going all over the place. One minute was awesome, the next minute was terrible. And yet, you, so you're reading all about it, and then he would get in that space where it didn't matter what was going outside because he was all about being in the presence of God. Here's what some, one psalm David wrote, Psalms 19. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. Getting in God's word will revive you. They will revive you. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord, the right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure. It's lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are, they are a warning to your servant. Now he's getting specific. They're a warning to me. A great reward for those who obey. How can I know all the sins lurking in my own heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults, God. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Daddy. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So here's David having this reflective acknowledgement of how important God's word is. And as he's in the word, the presence and the power of God's word comes in his life. And all of a sudden he realizes that every one of us go, man, I'm, I'm a mess. He comes from the space when he gets in God's word that I'm a mess on the inside. And we're going to be talking about that in just a minute. Romans chapter 12, we've, this has been a passage we went through last week. But for sake of remembrance, it's really important for us to get a hold of it. Romans 12, 1 through 2, this is what God expects every Christian to do. And so, dears and brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done. Let them be living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will be find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you, say it with me, the way you, so how can you tell that God is moving in your life? Because your thinking is going to change. You will change the way you see things, the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Well, just for review, last week we went through kind of Joseph and the transformation one. We talked about um, don't let your circumstances around you tell you who you really are. And then we gave the example of how Joseph, for 13 years of his life, he lived out this space of time and that he didn't get full of complaining. He didn't get full of, you know, why me? Why is this all, this all unfair situations, getting sold into slavery, being treated poorly by his own brothers, even to the point where at, one, you know, at moments hearing them, they wanted to, to take his life. And then David, recognizing that God had a plan, he was a puzzle piece. 
And that thing inside, that puzzle piece never left him. The dream of who God was in his life, that God, that he knew that God had a, a plan and that his character needed to get built up for that. In fact, point number one, it says, the transformed life is shaped from living, not from living for the present, which means you're not gonna care about so much what's going on present to living in the presence of his plan. David, David, Lived that out. Samuel lived that out. And now we're going to sit there and we're going to talk about how Joseph, just real quickly, Psalms 105, verse 17 through 19, he sent a man before them. I believe God sends you before your work day. He sends you before your work day. Yesterday, we've been praying for one of my grandsons who's struggling with insecurities. My son and I, we've been talking about it, we've been praying about it. And, you know, and so it's his birthday this week. He's six years old. And the Lord, this is what's so cool about God. I love being a Christian. And so I'm at Myers and going over there, and God prompts me in the ice cream aisle for his birthday to buy Oreo uh, ice cream bars. Now, that may mean nothing to you, but I don't, I, that's not me. I don't do that stuff, Okay. But I have no idea, I had no idea that that's his favorite cookie. And so then the, the Lord prompts me, he goes, now make this a point. Tell him, and when I got to his house, I asked him, I said, okay, what, is, what can daddy have that nobody else can have in the house? I wanted to know that what daddy, what's so much special to, the, to dad, my son, you know, and so I wanted, you know, that my, my son, my grandson Emmett to realize what, what, what can dad say? You can't touch this. You can't. This is dad's. I wanted him. I know. Is it, is it his remote? What is it of him? Because Emmett, this is yours. Nobody can touch this. This is going to go. Mom can't touch it. Dad can't touch it. Your sister Hazel can't touch it. Your big brother. You know what? Caden can't touch it. This is you because you are special, Emmett. You are special. And see, here's the thing is, God can bring ideas and concepts. He can bring seeds of moments in your life. All you got to do is listen to his promptings. So I, I share all that. And, and not, it's not part of the message in, in light of that. But what it is, is it's just an example. Are you, are you open to hear what God wants you to do? In the, in the, in the most peculiar spaces, in an ice cream bar. Of all things, some of you would covet the ice cream bar. I don't covet that bar at all, but Emma does. And so what I'm sharing with you is that God can lead. Emma is a little heart that needs to be shaped by faith. And you can be a seed of faith in someone else's heart, in someone's life. What better thing can a grandpa do than that? What better thing can a grandma do or what a mother can do or a big brother can do or whatever it is? In Psalms 105, we, you know, what happened is, is that grandpa went before Emmett. You need to go before your day and your work day. God, you're sending me. And what does he do? He said, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. They, was, they laid hands and irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. What is the word that God has for your life? You're the puzzle piece. It took 13 years for Joseph. So many of us are so consumed with the present. I just want it now. I want it now. Instead of great God, I want to live out who you want me to be and build the character in my life 
to shine in this moment because everything is for you, God, and for all of your presence and all for your expression. You're in charge of time. You're in charge of what? I'm just your puzzle piece. Number two, the transformed life is tested. Here's where so many people step back and they start asking the why me. There are three things that you will be tested in. And the first thing I want to be, I'll share with you and is this, is that Satan doesn't give a rip about you. You're not that important. God, to God you are, but to Satan you aren't. What Satan ha- hates is the word of God in you. The Bible says very clearly that Jesus was the word and it became flesh. If we're going to be in God's image, what are we going to be? We're going to be the word in flesh. Well, what is that word? It's hope, it's joy, it's peace, it's power. It's, you know, what's faithfulness, it's gentleness. It's the whole, I mean, that word is going to activate in your workplace, in your marriage. It's going to transform your life. The word becomes alive. In fact, it's really the, um, the part of the message. God's word wants to come alive in through of you. And so the test is always about the word. It's always about the word. And so the first test is this, is it's internal. The first test isn't about the devil. The first test is you. What's going on on the inside of your life? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 say it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. I can't say that enough. You know what? And most of us, all we do is lean on our own experiences and our own ways and everything else. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. God has a path of righteousness for you to take. Don't lean. Why is this going on? What did I do wrong? Who said you did anything wrong? The word of God is inside of you, testing you. You need to realize, go on the inside. I want to live who God is on the inside. I will not doubt God's plan. I will not doubt his plan. I will not doubt his promises. I will not doubt what's going on next. I have the faith of who God is in my life. In Romans 7, as a clear picture, here's Paul writing to the Roman people, and I call it the, the doo-doo passage, all right? You know, you know what doo-doo is, right? All right, doo-doo, all right? Romans 7, 18 through 25, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Everybody say, thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So the first and uh, first thing that's in your battle is yourself on the inside. 
There is something inside of you that wants to do what's right, but there's also something inside of you that wants to do what's wrong. It's called the sinful nature. Every single day you surrender. I offer my body as a living sacrifice, which means dead people can't talk. Dead people don't have wishes. Dead people don't fight for themselves. You offer your body as a living sacrifice. God, I give you this body. It's not my will, but now you understand why Jesus taught us to pray it. That's why. It's not your will. It's God's will. Every single day, you offer your life as a living sacrifice. You renew your mind. His word, have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee? God, I love your word. In it, I find I strength. In it, I find hope. And in it, I find love. In it, I find where I am wrong and you are right. So the first one we find is the inner battle. The second one I'll talk about is the battle outside of you. Now, some people went over there and, and marched the Capitol this last week, and they took the battle outside of them in their own hands. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual hosts of wickedness. We don't do that, okay? And what happened through that situation, they go, well, pastor, you know, this is, you know, I just feel like this, this, this. I, it doesn't matter what you feel internally. It matters how God sees it eternally, all right, so what I want to share with you is a passage that so many people think, well, this must, must be God's will. I, I don't even, you know what, this word, this passage I'm about to give to you is going to explain it all. All right, so I'm just going to read it to you. All right, and mark it in your Bibles because God's word is life. God's word is truth. God's word sorts out the crazy. Okay, Hosea 8. And this is a time where Hosea is talking about God's people. And remember I said before, History has a way of it repeating itself. Some of the nonsense that went on in Israel is some of the nonsense that goes on in America. Okay? Hosea 8. Sound the alarm. The enemy descends like an eagle on the people of the Lord. For they have broken my covenant and revolted against my law. Now Israel pleads with me, help us, for you are our God. But it's too late. The people of Israel have rejected what is good, and now their enemies will chase after them. So which means... There has been a course of action where they have allowed the enemy and they have followed his ways for so long that you're going to reap what you sow, okay? Now, verse 4. Please remember this. Write it down. The people have appointed kings without my consent. That was not what God wanted. People have appointed kings without my consent and princes without my approval. So when people think, well, this has got to be sovereign God. This is what God always wants. Whether, you know what, that's not true. What happens right here is going, people have appointed. There's people want things. And what God will do over and over in people's lives is this. God will, if you have a sense of nonsense in your life, though you are a child of God and God loves you and you love God, God will allow the nonsense so that you will reap the nonsense. So that then what will happen many times is you'll return to God. You say, well, Pastor, that's one scripture. Well, I'm going to give you another one, all right, just because you asked, all right. The, the point I, I want to make is this, is that, you know, right now, do you guys know that there's 10,000 plus Christians that are martyred every year? Most of you probably don't even know that. There's 10,000 plus Christians that are martyred every single year for knowing who Jesus Christ is in their life. And I believe that number is going to rise. I believe we need to get ready. We need to be ready for what is coming. 
Today we live in a life and time period where our faith is being suppressed. People are trying to subvert what you believe, what you believe is true, what the law of the Lord is in your own heart. And there's a frustration. That's why many people will just do things and, and, and march on things because there's so much on the inside of their life they want to fight for. And God said it very specifically, we don't fight against flesh and blood. I get what they're doing. I get why some people do it. But it's not what God has told us to do. Man did not create this world, nor does he understand how to balance it. God does. He created it. He knows how to balance it. God is the creator and the balancer of truth. We got to keep that in mind. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, again, I want you to write this passage down. Because the spirit of the Antichrist has always been in this world. And he is arrested at this point by the church. He can only do so much because the church is here as the policing of agent of God on this earth. Well, how do we police it? Through our prayers. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how he, we will be gathered to meet him. Praise God, we are going to meet him someday soon. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have had some spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say. Now here's some truths. For that day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction. He's talking about the Antichrist. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back. So something is holding the Antichrist back from being revealed, from setting himself up in the temple. Okay? Only when he comes out. For this lawlessness is already at work. It's already doing it secretly. And it will remain secret until the one who is holding back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. That which is holding him back is the church of Jesus Christ. We are that church holding back. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. If the Antichrist stood up and rose himself up, the church would devour him. But in, when the church is taken up and raptured up, who is going to stand against the, the spirit of the Antichrist? No one. Number C, or actually three, tested by the enemy. So we talked about the inner test, the outward test. Now I want to talk about the enemy. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was led by the spirit into a wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, what he's saying is, you're this puzzle piece, Jesus. You're this puzzle piece. If you are this puzzle piece, what is it saying to you? If you are this puzzle piece, let those stones become loaves of bread. And Jesus said, nah, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you're here, we are here, if you are this puzzle piece again, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt yourself. Jesus said, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory, and I will give all this to you, Jesus. 
If you will kneel down and worship and get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. All right, we're going to close on this um, this kind of little discussion about Samuel. And we're going to kind of go through it because of time kind of rapidly. So just uh, buckle your seatbelts a minute. But the most important thing is allow the word of the Lord, the letter, to come alive. Allow the Bible to come alive in your hearts. Allow the Bible, and that won't happen without the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. So let me just give you some, just kind of give you a little um, historical space because we live in a dark time. I get that. Samuel, who we're about to talk about, lived in a dark time. In fact, it says that Eli, who was a judge, or he was the priest at that time, the high priest, it said there was hardly any visions, anything. God wasn't speaking in that day. And so we have this space where God goes, and I love how this God does. He goes before people. I believe God, again, I'll say this again, God goes before your workplace. Are you ready to be the Samuel? Are you ready to be the Hannah? Are you, ready to, are you ready to be what God's called you to be? And we're going to find out, well, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, it's really going to be simple in just a moment. Okay? And let me just read so how bad it was during Samuel's time. All right? 1 Samuel 2, 12 to 13. Now, the sons of Eli, this is Eli is the high priest, were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord. Or for, these, are, these guys are the priests along with Eli, or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone would offer a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork while the meat of the sacrifice animal was still boiling. So basically, they stole from God. Sacrifice. They stole from God. Verse 18 and 19, 1 Samuel. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served. Now, so we have this correlation. Now here's Samuel, only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Each year his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came in with her husband for the sacrifice. Verse 22. Now Eli was old. He was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. Eli is a stepdad, only dad really that Samuel has. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing young women who assisted at the end. So now they're not only stealing, but they're having sex in the outer core experience. They're literally taking these girls, these women that are coming in to offer their sacrifices to God and they're seducing them. Verse 26, Samuel, 1 Samuel 2. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. Which means I don't care what kind of evil's going on in your life, you can grow in the favor of God. You can grow in God's presence. You can grow in God's favor. You can have that anointing. So even all this evil is going on, Samuel is growing in the favor of God. And we're going to get to how. One day, a man of God came to Eli. And so now a prophet visits um, Eli and tells him, says, what are you doing? Why are you allowing your sons to do this atrocities? Stop it. So, so here's, Sam, and I'm going to tell you something. If a, if a man of God, a prophet of God comes in to Eli's space, guarantee you Samuel knew about it. In fact, he knew about it because he wrote about it. 1 Samuel 3. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, the message of the Lord were rare. 
Visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, has gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping. Listen to this. He was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Have you guys caught this? I honestly, as many times as I read this passage, I've preached from this passage, I never saw that space. Never saw when the word of the Lord came alive in my own heart. I went, no wonder what was going on in Samuel's life. Remember when we had talked about the tabernacle? Enter his house, enter his gates with, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And we talked about that. You know what? You had this, this place of worship, this altar of worship on the outside, of sacrifice. And then we went over there and you, you had this, this cleansing space, going over there, washing your hands, this laboring. Then you, then you went into the Holy of Holies. Do you remember that was in that? That was where the golden lampstand and the, and the incense was there. And then we had the, you know, basically the showbread. You remember that whole thing we talked about? This is where Samuel sleeping. This kid was so stressed out with what was going on in the outer court. He's got stepbrothers going over there sleeping with women. He's got them stealing from God. He's sitting there going, this is all crazy. And my mom and my dad gave me up for this. He's got three brothers and two sisters he only gets to see once a year. And he's th probably thinking to himself, why God? Why couldn't I be, you know, why couldn't I have a loving mother and a loving father? Why couldn't I be part of that family? And yet he's going over there on the inside of his life. He goes, I'm part of that puzzle piece. God sent me before them. He has something great. And so how does he know that? Because he's sleeping in the presence of God. Can you imagine that? I can't even fathom it. And one day, he's 11 years old. So for nine years of his life, because they see from the moment he was weaned, so from two years old to 11 years old, he spends time in that presence of God. And in 11 years, so nine years, he's been trying to work this out in his own heart. And all of a sudden, God speaks to him from the Ark of that Covenant. I believe God wants to speak from his presence today. I believe he wants to speak in your heart, in your marriage, in your grandparenting, in your family. I believe this has never been such a great hour. I believe the church is in such a space of awakening. I know he's doing it in my own heart. And I'm just asking, are you going to be those that are so wrapped up in the present, getting on your phone and getting so full of the nonsense, living in the present, going, oh, it's so bad. It's so I'm not... Eli, you know what? Sam is going, it's so bad. But I know there's a space that's so good. He's laying, sleeping in that space with God. Father, I pray that's my life. I pray that it's your life. That you sleep and you live and you move. That's when you read the book of Psalms and you're finding somebody that says, God, I'd rather be in your house than 10,000, 10,000 days with the most, the most glorious thing this world has to offer. I'd rather spend one day with you, Lord. That's the heart that God is longing for in this day that will go before the world and be who he is, to be the puzzle piece that God's called you to be. Just please bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I, I want to live out that transformed life myself. And there are so many things, like Psalms 19, there's searching me, oh God. I know there's things that are wrong, that are sinful. God, there are things I don't even know about. 
God, I pray reveal that I have, might have the honor to bend my knee and ask for forgiveness, for cleansing. What an honor it is to be in your presence, to come as in a space of with you and realize that you are perfect. God, I'm not. That you are whole and I am God. I'm, Lord, I'm broke. And that's, God, that you long for a servant. You long for us to come to you in that space. Who can you, what you could do with? In Isaiah 66, it says it so beautifully. What could I ever do that would ever impress you? But on this one, will you look on one who is a broken and a contrite heart? God, I want to have, I want to be that person. I want to be that broken and contrite person. God, I pray that this church, we would be a church full of your kids that were broken and contrite before you. That greatness lives within us so that you might be expressed outside of us. God, less of us and more of you. If you're here this morning, or maybe you're watching this right now, and God is tugging on your heart. He's just, that's who he is. That's who he is. That's who he is. He's so full of love. He's so full of hope. He knows the mess that we're all in. He knows the situation that you're living in this very moment. And he's provided a path out but he's all about relationship. He doesn't want to do it for you. He wants to do it in you. Will you allow him in? Accept him as your personal savior? In a moment, I'm going to pray. And if you made this prayer, whether you're in your living room right now, or your car, or you're right here in the audience with God right now here in this temple of his, during the worship that our team will bring us in, I pray uh, that you complete that space of your heart. You surrender it. You acknowledge what God did in this prayer. And if you get a chance at the end of service that you find somebody and you tell them what God did in your heart, you confess what he did in your heart, or maybe you can't be here, you call somebody. You email somebody. You do whatever it is, but the more steps you take and acknowledge who he is in your life, the less work the enemy has in your life. So let's pray together right now, all of us together. Say, Father in heaven, I surrender my life into your hands. I ask you, Lord Jesus, give me ears, give me eyes, give me a perceptive heart to follow you. Holy Spirit, I need you in my life. I'm all yours, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved, ask for prayer, share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.